What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Small World Business Podcast. My name is Justin Coles. I'm here with my co-host. Dan Poku. It's a small world, and business connects us all. So buckle up, and let's grow together. guys special episode for you folks today uh, for those of you that have been listening pretty faithfully uh, listen to one of our biggest episodes of Matt Ballard we got a name you'll recognize uh, good friend of Matt guy I've met before very very briefly uh, Colton Daly Colton welcome happy Thank to you. have you thanks for having me on really quick Colton uh, you know you, you even said you listened to the episode with Matt so you've heard one of our most powerful messages so you have some some tough competition the reason behind you being on here, Colton, you actually put something on your Instagram about wanting to be on podcasts. Uh, it's it's how I reached out to you. I've wanted you on here uh, since, especially since the conversation with Matt. But when you put that out there, I was like, gotta have him on. You literally promised it would be the best episode yet. I said, let's keep him to it. Have the conversation. Uh, Colton, give us a little background about you, who you are, what you do for work, how you got here, all that good stuff. Oh, that's a loaded question. I probably should have thought about that before I come on the podcast. Um, even to address your message, I, I had my own podcast for quite a while. I had a partner. We did about 25 episodes. He ended up moving. And so it kind of disbanded the podcast temporarily. It's been about a year. Um, and so I was thinking about picking up my own podcast. And I was like, you know what? When I podcast, I always interview other people. Yeah, I want to hear their story. I want to dive into their life. And I was like, I think I'm ready to start telling more of my story and sharing my message with the world. So that's kind of why I put out that message. Um, of course, I do like to talk out of my ass sometimes and say that <laughs> it's going to be the best episode you've ever had. But, you know, I believe that, man. I believe I have a powerful message and I uh, just look forward to sharing that with the world. As far as me and, and what I do currently, um, I'm, a, I'm a life coach. So I like to work with a lot of young entrepreneurs, uh, primary, primarily millennials, and just helping them win, and whatever that means for them in their life, whatever winning looks like, I'll help them get there. Um, whether that's finding who they truly are, finding more love, joy, peace, whether that's creating a business, whether it's hitting a goal, uh, it's different for everyone. The last few years, uh, since I was 19 years old, I've had my real estate license as well. Um, so I've been dabbling in real estate, which has honestly been just an avenue for me to create my dream life, which is coaching, which is speaking, which is hosting some of these uh, men's retreats that I've been doing. How old are you now? I'm 28. So you've been in real estate for nine or so years? Yep. Okay. Nine years. And so you do that full-time and coaching on the side right now, relatively speaking? Um, you know, it's a bit half and half now. And I'm actually at the point now where coaching is beginning to, it's always been my dream that that would take over real estate. And eventually real estate for me wouldn't so much be a practice with working with others, but just my own personal investments. Real, I've never been passionate about real estate. Real estate was kind of the path of least resistance for me growing up. Um, you know, I was in college. I came home freshman year. My entire family was in it. I was like, oh, why, don't, why don't I get my license? Right, so it's 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 always been a means to an end for me. I've never been passionate about it, but I truly, truly am so passionate about coaching and speaking. Yeah. So, what made you get into uh, life coaching or being a life coach? Yeah, that's a loaded question as well, man. I think uh, primarily for me, going through a lot of adversity um, at a younger age, there was uh, a lot of addiction in my household. My my older brother, he was like my superhero, someone I really look up to. Uh, he was a bad dude, man. He was uh, six years older than me growing up, so I always got to hang out with the older kids. I grew up quick. He was captain of the football team. He was a ladies' man. He was a fighter. Everyone knew him as that bad dude. Um, and then at some point after he graduated high school, there was this epidemic in my hometown of Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida, where oxy or roxycodone was released. Right? They called them roxies, and it just flooded the market, and this entire generation just got addicted, hooked, um, and it took us down a long, long journey, a long, long journey. So I guess to cut a long story short, that eight to 10 years of addiction throughout the family, which really destroyed the family and ultimately brought us all back together eventually, really humbled us. Uh, when I was 22 years old, senior year of college, um, yeah, brother was actually doing really good at the time. He was clean. July 4th, I came home from college uh, for a little break to spend that with my family. My brother wanted to go out one night. I just got home. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go out with you. Um, then I realized, dude, I'm super tired, man. I just want to. I want to sit home. I want to play video games. July Fourth, the next day, I know I'm gonna go drinking. Let's chill tomorrow. He was super excited to see me, so he went out. Well, he didn't come back home the next night. Didn't come home for a few nights. Um, I ended up going searching. I found his truck at a hotel. Went in there. I'll, I'll skip the whole scene, but long story short, I ended up walking into the hotel room and found him dead on the bed to an overdose. All right now, during this time, my dad had been diagnosed with bladder cancer. And so six months later, 
on the day of my college graduation, my father died to cancer. Right? And just to put the little cherry on top, one month after that, my, my godfather, who was at my house every single week, weekend, my entire life, he was my mentor, kind of my last remaining leader and godly or, or fatherly figure, he just passed away to a random heart attack. And so I had just graduated. I thought I was going to spend my life on the East Coast. I went to Florida Atlantic University, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, change of plans. Had to come back here, be here for my mom, and, and become the man of the household, which was a significant change rapidly. You know, so from that point, losing my entire family essentially so quickly, it was like, dude, what, what is the point of life? Like, what am I doing here? I immediately threw a connection, got a job at a corporate, corporate office, getting paid great money. It was a quote-unquote great opportunity on paper, but dude, I was so freaking miserable. You know, I, I've always kind of had ADHD, so I need to be stimulated, and I was so unstimulated. I was eating Adderall like candy to even get my work done and, and, and kind of bullshitting at work. And after six months, I was like, dude, you know, I realize how short life is. Is this really what it's all about? Am I just here to come in here, be miserable, make a paycheck, and pay my bills? I was like, fuck that, dude. Like, I'm, I'm on a mission to live one time and wake up every day doing what I love and, and I'll discover what that journey is. I knew I had that real estate license in the back pocket. I knew it could be an avenue for me to get where I want to go. So I took that leap of faith, left the job, started picking up with real estate partner with my mom in that aspect and started exploring what are my gifts? What are my passion? What would light my soul on fire every single day? And um, it'll I believe you trained, right, Justin? You trained at Crunch? Uh, I used to, actually. I don't anymore, but I used to. Right. So initially, I've always been that like encourager for my friends. I've always been a strong encourager. When, they, when they're down, they need support, they need advice, they always came to me. And I always pushed them, man. I always wanted people to strive to become more, to become better, to keep growing. If we were working out in the gym together, I was like, nah, bro, you got one more rep. And I'll make you unrack it if you rack it and get that one more rep. Or I'll make you put that extra weight on. So I always, I always loved encouraging and coaching people. So I was like, I just, you know, I love coaching. I love fitness. I've always been working out. It's been an outlet for me. Why don't I dive into fitness coaching? So I got certified with NASM, right, the National Association of Sports Medicine, because I'm this all or nothing guy. I was like, let me find the hardest path and I'm going to take it, which is honestly quite stupid most of the time. Um, got certified with NASM, hired one coaching client. Right? A week later, I, I threw out my lower back, got a pinch nerve in my lower back, and I was shot. Client went AWOL, and I couldn't train anymore. And so it was kind of the biggest blessing in disguise because what it led me to is like, man, I, I, I love transforming souls, man. Like I, I love going deep into psychology and mindset. And I know that if you can fix the internal, the external will take care of itself. And so that transitioned me to becoming a life coach um, and, and getting certified with that and beginning that journey. Where does your faith play into that? You're, you're very openly a Christian. You post all about it on, on your Instagrams. You stopped me on a run because of a Bible verse on my arm. Which, which is crazy, first of all, you remember that. I mean, I, that's for one of the first things I brought up to you, and you were like, no, I completely remember that, that conversation. Where does your faith play into wanting to help people on the internal side of things? Right. Oh, man, that's, that's been quite the journey uh, and, and self-journey, really, of getting to know and my personal relationship with my creator. Um, I don't know how I would have got through what I went through if it wasn't for my faith, because outside of that, life would be meaningless and pointless. Right, so that was always my rock and my firm foundation that kept me strong through those times of knowing, you know, that God's gonna work all things for the good, man. There's a purpose for this, there's a plan, um, and so I held on to that, and that's what that's what gave me strength through this entire process. Um, so it's been a huge part, man. I've always known He's had a plan for my life. I always known that there's greatness inside of me, and I've been pursuing that ever since, and just lean on, uh, lean on God for that strength when I need it. Now, backtrack for a minute. Walking into that hotel room, I could not imagine what you were possibly going through and what was going through your head there, but I cannot imagine in that moment you were looking at that bed saying, God is so good, it's okay. Mm. Touch on that. Because I'm very, very open that like being a Christian is not easy. If it was, every mm. single person would be a right. Christian because they don't, they don't promise you an easy life in church. Yeah, right. They don't. Touch on how you went from that moment and my assumption is some of the things you were saying to God were not very nice. Yeah. To it, where you are. That just gives me goosebumps. That's the moment, you know. I don't mind talking about it, but I, it, it's not ever fun reliving the actual experience. But I just remember walking to that hotel bed. I, I found him. I pulled him off the bed. I tried to resuscitate him. And it was just that moment where I feel like I failed. 
right? I, I was I was the youngest of the family, but I was the rock of the family. I was the one um, who found my own faith and brought that to my family. I didn't necessarily get raised a Christian. You know, we'd maybe go to church on Easter, Christmas, and yeah. if if we, you know if we made it, if the stars aligned, right? Yeah. And so I was always uh, the one who had to stay strong for my family, which was a lot of weight to put on my back as a young kid. Right? And so I always tried to be that light. So in that moment, I just felt like I failed. And I failed. I remember getting up, and I just punched a massive hole in the wall of this hotel. And then I just sat by his body. I laid my hands on him. I said, Lord, I got it from here. Like, I'll pick up his spirit. I'll carry it with me, and we'll do what we got to do. Right? So again, just that, that faith was my rock. And without it, I don't, I don't know if there'd be any meaning behind any of this. So right away, your response was, like, not thanking God, but just, hey, it's okay. You, there was no anger or anything with God at that point? <sighs> you know, I think there was more so with my father, because I had so much faith, and I believed God could heal, and I believed God for miracles. And so I remember when I got home, um, the, when I, the night of my graduation, I ended up coming home the next night, and I was going to go see my dad because he had to go to the hospital. And my mom was like, you know, you just had a long drive. You just graduated. Just come in the morning. I'll go sit with him. And then like six in the morning, she walked in and she was carrying his chain that he wore for 40 years that I currently wear around my neck. So I knew what had happened. And that was the only time I remember as soon as I saw that, I just reached over and just with my Bible and I just slapped it across the room against the wall. And that was the really only moment where I was, uh, I kind of showed that anger with God per se. Um, but again, man, I just, I have so much trust in knowing there's a bigger purpose behind all of this and, and just stuck by that. And that's kind of the reason why I do what I do, man. I kind of do it all for legacy now. I kind of do it for their legacy and, and it carries me forward. Yeah. So I guess you found motivation through all of that because you could have easily pivoted one of two ways. You could have, you know, fell to the left side where it's like, could have been like drugs, alcohol, all right. that stuff, or you could have just used that for motivation to become a life coach, successful against real estate and all that. So what about that moment kind of motivated you to go right instead of left, I guess? Well, you have a choice, man. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. you got to make a choice there. Am I going to wallow? Am I going to be a victim or am I going to be a victor? Yeah. Am I going to use this for bad or use it for good? I mean, it's sure. a choice you got to make. And I think when it comes to finding my motivation, after I lost all my leaders, I had nobody. Mm. And you really find out who your friends are in that season too. You know, I, I really went through that dark that dark season all by myself, but it, it forged an absolute warrior out of me. And I and I've noticed amongst these people that I can I really can see that greatness inside of them, this instinct to increase, this desire to grow and become great and impact the world. Man, they've all had similar stories. Mm. They've all overcome great adversity. It's it's built this warrior spirit in each of these people, and you can sense that. You can see it, and you can feel it. I think when it comes to finding motivation and how I kept myself alive during that time, yeah. um, inspired, and how I got myself out of bed, this is kind of what plays a huge part in me becoming a life coach and me becoming an inspirational speaker. So every day of my life, um, since I was 22 years old after that, I would listen to some of the greatest leaders and speakers that have ever walked our planet, right? Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Inky Johnson, Eric Thomas, Miles Monroe, um, you know, it, the list goes on forever, of some of the greatest speakers. And so every day I'd pour at least minimum an hour to two hours to three hours of these speakers. And so now over the last, let's say, uh, seven years times 365 days a year, I've got four to 5,000 hours of the greatest speakers and leaders and the wisest wisdom to ever walk our planet imparted into me. All right? And so naturally when I coach and when I speak, these people are coming out of me. People are like, man, how, how did you get all this profound wisdom? It's like, dude, I went after it. I went after because these are the only people that lit my soul on fire, that fed my spirit during those seasons. Um, initially, it was Tony Robbins. I binge watched him for a long time. He's kind of someone I, I can't wait to just thank one day because he kind of became that fatherly spirit for me. Um, so it, it's been quite the journey. And, and I actually, what I, what I do is I definitely encourage everyone to listen to some of these inspirational speakers. Mm -hmm. now, nowadays, when I go to the gym, I don't even listen to really music as much anymore. Because these motivational videos, they have these insane backing tracks. I mean, you got Hans Zimmer playing Gladiator theme tracks with the, you know, you got Eric Thomas yelling yeah. at you in the mic. Just that stuff fire fires up. you up yeah, way more. That stuff up. speaks to your soul, yeah. bro. Yep. Like it, it wakes something up inside of you. Yeah. Um, and so I encourage everyone, man, if, if you want to become wiser, you know, um, Jim Rohn's one of my favorites ever. Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar. And Jim Rohn was actually Tony Robbins' mentor who took Tony in. And I remember he said one day, he's like, if you want to be successful, don't seek success. Seek to become a man of value. Mm. 
right? And so I've just been pouring thousands of hours, hours of value into myself every day and still today. So my question actually, I was going to ask you, after losing so many people in your life, where did you go to find your next, I, I would say mentor or, you know, manly figure to look up to? Did you find anyone personally that you knew or was it just these these larger than life figures like they were just larger than life figures man those are my mentors those were my guides all of them became spiritual fathers for me that's all i had man and so that's a resource i recommend everyone go to because all of those people went through great adversity i mean even to start with tony robbins the guy had like eight fathers you know he was extremely poor his mother used to beat him and pour liquid soap down his throat you know and every everyone you go to inky johnson who was going to be an nfl player and his you know change his whole family's lineage of, of poverty and, and two games before he gets first round draft pick multi-millionaire gets hit and paralyzed right transitions from going to NFL to now becoming an amazing motivational speaker mm. right so for me yeah did those those leaders on on YouTube and they did it for me man I want to backtrack for a minute uh, you know you had touched on when your dad was in the hospital after your graduation and your mom said don't worry about going to the hospital come in tomorrow it's okay and then obviously you didn't get to say much of a goodbye, I would imagine, at that point. No, I didn't. My biggest regret. Talk about that. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's probably one of the most painful experiences of my entire life because towards the end of his life, I felt like my, my father started to give up. Yeah, I didn't understand what he was going through or what he was experiencing, how sick he really was. Right? Um, he, he wasn't able to make it to my graduation, and I was actually a bit upset with him. I felt like he was kind of copping out and, and giving up. And so um, he didn't even, he didn't call me that day and I refused to call him and I was like, I'm gonna wait for him to call me. I was actually a bit mad at him. I didn't know how sick he was, right? So that was kind of the last energy that, and, and the moments that, you know, he was alive that I, I had with me, right? Now, obviously I, I forgive myself and I forgive him for that time, but um, man, I wish I would have just had the opportunity to, to thank him for everything he instilled in me because he was a great man. He was always unconditional love, the best father I ever could have asked for. So that was definitely by far the hardest for sure. Because I, I relate to that, not in the sense of my father, but I've talked about it on here before. I wear a seven necklace around my neck. One of my big brother figures, his name was Miles Small, a great friend of mine, lived down the street. He's the guy that I always guarded when we were playing backyard football. He got me my first job. Like Big brother to me. Loved him. Uh, my senior year of high school wound up committing suicide. And was in a coma for like a week. I say a week. Really, it might have been like three days. I have no idea. I had every opportunity to go see him in the hospital. And I made the conscious decision on my own of, it's Miles. He'll be fine. I don't need to worry about it. And then he passed away. It is, it is, and I say this with full conviction, the only thing that I regret in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I do my best to not regret anything. Mm-hmm. So the second you said it is your biggest regret, I said, this is what I need to hear. Right, right. Because I've been through that a similar realm of a situation with a different person obviously but to have that same regret and that same frustration i still have it every day Mm -hmm. because i didn't have anger with miles because i didn't understand the full realm of what was going on with his life but i had so much anger with myself because like this is a dude that i owed so much to and i couldn't just go say goodbye so now for me it's like every time someone's sick or in the hospital or needs help Dropping what I'm doing. So that's kind of the beauty and the blessing of it. You know, and I think it starts by forgiving yourself because even that was your younger self and you didn't know any better. And I think the same for my father. Like, dude, I thought God was going to heal him. I really had hope. I did not think he was going to die. Like, I was oblivious to the fact that he was withering before me. Right. So again, I just didn't know any better. I didn't have the consciousness to understand at that point. You know, so just being able to forgive myself for that moment. Um, but I want to share a really cool story with you because my face played a big, big role in this as I've explored that, which has transitioned many times throughout the years as my, my relationship with God is much different than everyone else's and much different than maybe what the church is to this day as I continue to expand and explore deeper things. Um, but I would, I would I, you know, I was in college one day and I started praying for prophetic dreams. I was like, Lord, just speak to me, man. I know the dream well is crazy, but just talk to me. Uh, and be careful what you wish for, man, because I started getting some wildly vivid dreams. that, And I always knew when they were messages that came through um, and when they were prophetic because, boy, they hit different. Like your spirit is shook when you wake up. But there was this time where God spoke to me and kind of showed me the meaning of all of this after I lost my brothers, brother and father. 
And in this dream, this is when I was at work, and this is I quit like three days after this this dream. I was on a cruise ship because my family and I just started taking cruises like a year before all of this ever happened. We, we always want to take cruises. We started taking cruises. We took like four in a matter of a year. They were so much fun. So in this dream, I was on a cruise ship with my entire family. This is after my brother and father had passed, and there was a circular table on the right side of the cruise ship overlooking the water, and we were all sitting there. And my brother was to my right. I was kind of looking straight at him. My mother was to my left, and my dad was kind of on my left as well. And I'm sitting there looking at my brother, and I kind of know this is a dream in the dream. right? And he has his shirt off, and... Uh, I was actually, I used to roast him because he was kind of getting fatter in his later days. And I, and I was like, dude, you are so freaking chubby, man. And uh, he was just giggling. He was so happy, pure joy. He was actually eating a candy bar, which is why I was making fun of him. And um, I would, in that moment, I was just staring at him just to admire him. I was so grateful to be back in his presence and to experience his love and just see him, man. All of a sudden, I realized, I was like, hey, this, is, this can't last. You know, this is a dream. In the moment I had that realization, the scene switched in the dream. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of in this like kitty corner with my brother. There's these walls, and he's in the corner. And I'm like, you can't stay, Chaz. His name was Chaz. I was like, you can't stay, bro. You can't stay. You cannot stay here. And he wasn't paying attention to me. He was all giggly, smiley, looking around, like looking over me. And I was like, all right, he's not paying attention. And so I, with a ton of my strength, I just slammed him in his chest with my hands to get his attention. I was like, you can't stay. Now my brother, I always had a healthy fear of my brother. He was a fighter, he'd whoop my ass. And so as soon as he, he took his gaze, looked me right in the eyes with the most serious eyes. I was like, uh-oh, like after I pushed him. He grabs me by the shoulders, looks me right in the eyes and says, Colton, I need you to Google the name Gary Walker. I woke up. All right, and now I'm waking up, I'm shook, bro. I just had a dream with my dead brother, first of all. And he told me to Google a man's name specifically. I don't even know a man named Gary. I've never even met a Gary. Right, and so I'm like googling Gary, can't find nothing. I'm running out. I was like, Mom, you ever heard of Gary Walker? She's like, Nah. I go to work this day. Don't do any work, by the way. Not that I ever did, but I'm 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 researching Gary Walker all day. And towards the end of the day, I finally go to YouTube. First page, I find a band from back in the day. I'm listening to the song. I was like, Nah, this ain't it. This ain't it. On like the third page, I find a video. It's a two. It's like a two and a half hour video, and it says, Brother Gary Walker shares his testimony. He's a pastor of a church in Australia. And so I started listening to this video. I'm driving home. I had an hour drive, hour commute. I'm heading to the gym. Start to hear this guy's story and his testimony. And essentially, he's been um, a pastor his entire life. Ended up founding a church in Australia. Did nothing but amazing things. You know, had ministries, had foundations, had two beautiful um, daughters. And there was a day he was going to go do some outreach and go feed homeless or whatever he was doing. And he gets in the car, he gets in with his wife, and he was with one of his daughters, and his daughter goes, Dad, should I sit on the left side of the car or the right side? He was like, I don't, you never asked me that. I don't care. Sit on the right side of the car. It doesn't matter. On the way there, um, as they're driving, a box truck comes down the road. Maybe something happened with his tire, swerves and hits the uh, front like left side of the car or the side of the car, where if his daughter was sitting there, she would have been killed on impact. But you know, long story short, him and his wife were severely injured, him more so, and he was in the hospital in a coma for like a year. And so after it was, after a year being at the hospital of going through all this journey, oh, you'll never walk again. He ended up really recovering. There was a moment where he sat there and he said, for the first time in his life, he started to question God, like, how could you let this happen to me? After everything I've done for you, I've done nothing but good. I've stayed away from sin. I've fed your people. All I've ever done was take your path. How could you let this happen to me? And I remember at this moment, I was doing these uh, leg lifts, which I hate anyways, but I was doing these leg lifts. And and he said, for the first time in my life, I heard the audible voice of God. Not the internal monologue, but the audible voice of God. And he said, and this is actually the, the message my brother came to gave to me and the Lord wanted to share with me. He said, Gary... If you knew the plans I had for you, you would have signed up for this. And as soon as I heard that, my entire body filled up with goosebumps. My spirit was wrecked, and I just like fell off that machine almost to my knees. Right? Because that was the message my brother and God came to gave me. And right? if you knew the plans I had for you, you would sign up for this. Right? And so that kind of really took a pivot in what I want to do in my life. And I just decided from that moment, like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find what fills my soul. I'm going to find my purpose. I'm gonna have as much impact as I can in this short life, and I'm gonna go down swinging. Yeah. So talk about that too. Like, how fulfilling is it to find your purpose? Because I feel like most of the time people work like a dead end job. There's nothing, you know, to it. There's no fulfillment that comes from it. But I always say, like, once you find your purpose, it just life just changes, and it just 
it just hits different. Like you're, finding your why, like is your reason to like get up in the morning sometimes. So talk about like finding your purpose and how that kind of changed your life. Right, and I, I think that's my biggest message because yeah. I think the entire world, or at least ninety five percent of it, is so caught up in the matrix, man. Yeah. Just going through the moment, I would just say unawakened. Right, their eyes are closed and they're just kind of uh, almost like sheep. You know, just living for today, paying their bills. And it's like, dude, life's so much bigger than that. So my biggest message is find your purpose. And that's really transitioned for me throughout the years as I went on that journey to find my purpose. Now, what I realized is through these years is is purpose is not so much a destination, right? Like you, you walk in purpose and purpose takes you where it wants to take you. Right. And, and so for me, quite literally, what I've realized until recently is, is, is to make purpose as simple as I can for me personally is, is, is just a commitment to walk in the light, right? to walk in the light, to walk in integrity with myself and let, let God take me where he wants to take me and let him have me meet who he wants to meet. Now, when it comes to really finding your purpose, it's like, what do I want to do? Well, this is a whole different story. And this is how I help people guide themselves to finding out what their quote unquote purpose is. Um, find your gifts, man. Because I know each of us, you know, the Bible says this to each of us, he's been given a gift. And the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs by Solomon says that a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great, brings him before kings, right? So it's your gift that brings you before the great, right? And your gift wasn't used necessarily given to you for you. It was given for to you to give to others, right? And so it's like, okay, well, what are my gifts? And I know Steve Harvey had a great explanation of this he says a gift is what you do the very best with the least amount of effort and so there's a beautiful quote and i would even to make it more simplistic it's like and i know oprah winfrey quoted it but it's not her quote but it says don't ask what the world needs ask what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive Right? So what is it that lights your soul on fire? What is it that you do that time flies, that you catch a flow state, you go in the zone? Like what lights your soul on fire? Start doing that. Right? Because if you come alive, man, you're going to inspire other people. And I know that as we let our light, own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And for you, that's helping other people light that flame? Oh, yeah. Yes. It's, it's dude, I, you know. I kind of feel like I'm just a, a, a candlestick at this point. I'm just going around lighting other people's fires, bro. Because I know that once they do, they go and light other people's. And I don't see... Uh, there's a quote from um, Gladiator, which is my favorite movie. It was my brother's favorite movie. He actually looks like Maximus in the movie, which is quite amazing. And kind of the sacrificial lamb that Maximus was to free the people. I feel like that was kind of my, what my brother's role was, um, which is how I find purpose in that. You know, like He was a sacrificial lamb that unlocked this purpose for me to go and change the entire world, which I plan to do. Um, what was the question? <laughs> You're talking about being a candlestick, right? And lighting other people's fires. Yes. Okay. So yeah, essentially, man, that's that's kind of my biggest purpose, man. I just want to go around and be a light, light other people's fires, and help them find what makes them come alive. Yeah, so how does that feel then? Once you see like that success story, like a client of yours have gone on to maybe start a business or have a family or X, Y, and Z. Like, how does that feel once you see them, you know, living in their purpose? There's nothing more fulfilling, man. Yeah. There's nothing more fulfilling, um, you know, and especially with coaching, it's so rewarding for me because it's so stimulating as well. All humans are different, but we're relatively the same, you know. And so the things we deal with is is it's just different manifestations of the same desires, essentially. Um, so for me, it, it, it's super fulfilling, um, and I feel like I'm part of their story. You know, it's like each humans are just puzzles, and sometimes their puzzles out of place, and I get to come into their life help put those puzzle pieces back together and sometimes on the piece that fits right in you know so i love i love working with entrepreneurs because there's no limit man there's no ceiling sky's the limit and they're building a dream and to help them build that dream and, and watch them succeed in it and start that company and start gaining employees and start hitting new numbers man it's just like i feel like that that's my business as well i mean i'm wearing a bracelet right now from one of my first clients who started a, an amazing company from the ground floor and, and now he's you know, one of Tampa's best in marketing industries and 10 plus employees and impacting lives. And it's like, dude, I feel like that's my company too, man. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So, and I told you I was going to bring this back up. I don't know if you even know what Instagram story I'm talking about. I don't. There's two of them here. I screenshot them. I thought you could see that I screenshot them on Instagram. <laughs> apparently I am wrong. So for those of you on Instagram, if you don't know, you can screenshot things without people seeing them, apparently. Yeah, thank uh, you. <laughs> anyways, you posted, these are back-to-back -back stories. I screenshot them both. Uh, 
It said, during my run last night, I was deeply contemplating my need to attend, quote-unquote, church every Sunday. I don't ever want to attend church, quote-unquote, because I have to, or from a place of religious obligation that starts to feel like a chore. Then my heart isn't in it. At this point in my life, sitting alone in the ocean for hours with God seems to bring me deeper into his, into his presence than sitting through a structured message designed to feed the masses. As I continued running and pondering these thoughts, a still, small voice came through and spoke to me. It gently said, Jesus didn't need the church. The church needed Jesus. Message received, mission understood. And then the next page was, the church is not a building. It's the body of God, the people. You are the church. I am the church. The church building is not a place for the righteous. It's a hospital for the lost, hurting and broken. So if the light of the world and spirit of God lives within me, perhaps it's not so much about me showing up to church looking to be fed, but rather shining my light and doing the feeding, being a lamp for the feet of those lost in the dark. This message shifted my perspective, and it's not just for Sundays. It's a way of life, a way of being. God is love, and that love goes with you wherever you go. I want you to touch on that message because there's a few things in there that spoke to me. The first is consistently my pastor, the guy, the senior pastor at my church, his name is Darren Snow. I'm from Chicago, so no one will know who he is. Um, he is from a small southern town in Dallas, Texas, or outside of Dallas, Texas. That's where all the best pastors come from, oh, by the way. Every single one of them are from Texas. Bishop T.D. Jakes, Tony oh, Evans, man. I know Joel Osteen's over there, oh, a couple of people. <laughs> but he has reiterated for I mean we've gone to that church since I was probably seven I would assume something around there those lines I have heard the line Jesus didn't need the church the church needed Jesus I've never heard that my entire life by the way I hear it all the time and so the second I read that I was like I need him to touch on this yeah sure I've actually never heard that my entire life and it was actually quite beautiful for you to, for you to read that back to me because sometimes I write these things but I was like I wrote that you know it almost it almost made me damn emo- that was good yeah, I thought that was pretty <laughs> good man it almost made me emotional reading that because it, you know it was you expressing my heart back to me which is pretty cool um yeah, I've never heard that, man. And I feel like that was God kind of checking me because I feel like these last few years, you know, I've been in that Bible for a long time. Um, and for anybody, you know, I think there's such a terrible stigma of the Bible and the devil's done a really good job of demonizing the Bible. Um, for me, the Bible is, is what, four or 5,000 years, maybe even longer, of some of those most profound wisdom that's ever existed on this planet. And the way I see the Bible is almost like, um, you know, I believe God created, obviously, this world and the way it works and and intertwined into it. He interwove spiritual laws, right, and physical laws. Um, And and I believe that the Bible is a really good blueprint and handbook, right, that if you are to stay within the confines of the rules in which he created this game of life to play, you're going to experience the best possible experience on life that you can it's going to set you up for the most success. And that's not saying that you might not go out and get hit by a car. Okay, that could happen. But if you stay within these rules and these boundaries, you're, you're bound to have a more fulfilling, happy, and successful life. So if you look at it, let's say the game of football and the game of sports, it's like, okay, you have rules of the game and then you have refs there. If you play the rules properly, you're not going to have a penalty. But if you decide to go off sides right, and break the rules, flag five-yard penalty you're going to experience the repercussions of crossing those boundaries right now it's not going to end the game and i don't think god's a god who try who who punishes us i believe that sin has built within it its own punishment right so you're more than welcome and free to step outside of the boundaries but you pay the price that's built within that sin and sin's not some dirty word it's just an archery term from back in the day if you go back to the original language that means missing the mark right just missing the mark I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah, I didn't know. That's what sin means. It's not a dirty word. It's just an archery term, man. So basically, you're just stepping outside of the confines of which the game is, is supposed to be played, quote unquote. So take your analogy and run with it. But I'm going to play devil's advocate because that's the kind of person that I am. Mm-hmm. The person that goes off sides and doesn't get caught. Well, you, you, I don't. the whole getting caught thing, here's what I've realized. And I was answering this question to somebody else the other day. It, it comes to a point where... There, there was a quote someone used about, um, I won't even talk about what it's discussing, but it says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, right, if they are to do this, right? He's like, what does that mean? I won't go to heaven? And now at the same time, all of us have our own interpretation of the Bible, and that comes from us reading it and kind of knowing God's heart and his personality, right? And at the same time, I don't ever believe it's the case where you won't inherit the kingdom of God if you sin, right? We're all sinners. We all shall fall short of the glory of God. It's inevitable, right? We have a fallen nature, um, anybody who, who judges, like, as Jesus said, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. 
right? And so what I really mean, think that means that you won't inherit the kingdom of God is you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God on earth, meaning you're not going to experience heaven on earth. You're not going to experience what it's like to be in alignment with your highest self, to really live out that, that God nature within and feel like the ultimate version of you, right? And, and so I, I guess it's just when you're out of integrity with yourself, you experience that and you feel that, right? You're just not in alignment with your highest self. And I feel like from that point, maybe you experience a little guilt, maybe a little shame. And from those frequencies, your vibration is lowered. And then you're attracting what's going on internally, as the book says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, mm. right? You reap what you sow, which is the law of attraction, right? Which I believe is only a universal law that God created, and I believe it's very real. And not until these last six months have I seen how deeply the spiritual is involved in this whole thing. It's way beyond just the physical, right? So going back to that, yes, experiencing that higher nature, that higher self, when you start to compromise your integrity and your values. Interesting. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. It does. Now, I do want to kind of take a little sidestep very briefly. We've touched on on faith a good amount, but at the end of the day, this is also majorly a, a business podcast. Sure. Yep. Faith is a big part. Dan and I are very open about the fact that we are Christians. We're very... I think Dan Dan touches on very, being very, very spiritual. Mm-hmm. I think I'm less spiritual, and I just tend to be more faithful, if that makes sense. Uh, but aside from the faith side of things... You have done a couple of speaking ventures on the business side. Um, you are very, very close with one of my buddies, Alex. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Corpita? Corpita. That's what I thought. I've, I've never actually called him by his last name. So you've done a couple of speaking ventures with Alex. You've done a couple of different things. Touch on those. What do those look like? How did that start doing just a broad speaking event to the public? Right. What does the next steps look like for that? Yeah, oh, I'd, I'd definitely love to go there. I want to just backtrack because I didn't answer your question completely. And Because what that message that came through on my run, because I've gone so deep for so long into scripture, I love theology. I love going deeper. I want to know just beyond this surface level teaching. I have found that a lot of these churches are designed to feed the masses, right? Bring in the sheep, bring them all, feed them, get them saved. What did Jesus say? Feed my sheep, right? And so I started, I stopped finding like enjoyment in that because I've heard this message a thousand times, right? You're giving me two or three scriptures. I want to go deep. So I've started to, to, to lose that interest in going to church because it wasn't quote unquote feeding me. So the whole message in that concept was like, look, Jesus didn't need the church. The church needed Jesus. Essentially saying, if that same God lives inside of me, the church needs you not to show up to be fed, but to feed, to be the light that people need to see. So that was the message. And what you just said as well, I find myself more spiritual and more faithful than religious. I, I hate religion, man. I think that religion's what's caused all this division. Religion's what started all this war. If you go and look who killed Jesus, it was actually the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious people. So religion is the one who put him on a cross, and he's the one who came in opposition to them. So I very much agree with you as far as I'm a spiritual, faithful man, but I don't like the word religion whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, the question you just asked me was, where did the speaking start from? Right, And I think this is beautiful um, because... Dude, you listen to about 5,000 hours of speakers, you're going to want to start saying what you've been hearing, all right? And, and what's so beautiful in, in that aspect is when I listen to those videos, um, if there is something that gets said in those videos, like maybe they say a quote or they say something, and it just, dude, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, like it really speaks to my soul and like lights something inside of me, inspires me in that moment. I'll stop what I'm doing and I have what's inside of my phone and my notes, a quote journal, and I'll write that quote down. Only the ones that shake something inside of me that give me goosebumps. And now over the last four or five years, I've got like three or 400 quotes of the best quotes I can ever have that I just seem to become part of me and my memory. So they just come out naturally. As you probably heard some of them come out, people call me the quote guy, right? And so I always knew I had this desire to speak, man. I always had this desire to like share this light from a platform. Um, but at the same time, dude, that's scary, bro. You know, that's really scary because everyone wants that stage, but the stage only exposes who you really are. And you have to be willing to be authentic and vulnerable and open yourself up to say, hey, look, it's, I, I know I'm not perfect. I know I got a lot of flaws, but I am who I am. And so that's taking a lot of work, man, especially when it comes to dealing with imposter syndrome, which every entrepreneur will deal with. The feeling of being ina- inadequate. Who am I to do this? Unworthy. All the self-judgments and criticism that your mind and, and that likes to play on you. Um, so that was a hard thing, but there's a really cool quote I'd, I'd recommend everyone to go um, read, and it's called The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt, um, if you guys have ever, I don't know if you guys heard that quote before. Oh, yeah. I've heard it, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's like it's not the critic who counts, right? But that that really inspires me. And so there comes a point where you have to have courage, man. You have to have courage. Like courage is not the absence of fear. The fear is going to be there. Courage is being able to step into that fear and do it anyways. Right? And so I just made that decision, man. Like, dude, I know this is what I'm called to do. The first event I ever did, um, my boss, uh, my real estate office at the time was like, dude, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to speak. I'm just looking for a platform. I'm looking for a platform. He's like, you know, brother, I'll create that for you. And he paid for the studio in St. Pete, paid for the open bar, and had like 65 people show up. And it was the first time I ever had the opportunity to do it, man. And um, to be honest with you, I only had like three or four things that I wrote down. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. I'm a procrastinator, but I went up there, something took over me, and I just yeah. went to town for like two hours, man. And so in this last, I met Pida recently, uh, Alex. Yeah. I mean, he goes by Pida sometimes too. And dude, I have the ability to just spot talent in people, man. I feel like I'm a talent spotter. I see the light in people. I see greatness in people, especially when they're not using it. And when I saw Alex, I felt like he was the king of channel side, man. Like this guy had so much influence and power and authority without even knowing it. Like everybody loved this guy. Everyone wanted to be around him. And I just saw all that. I saw all this influence and power he had, but he was out there in that life, like really still unawakened. didn't see what he was holding. And so, man, I just kind of took him in. Um, and started just fostering that and pouring into him and showing him and his greatness. And, dude, his life took off, dude. This guy started diving in, personal development, started reading, started going all in, really took himself out of that party life, found who he was, saw his greatness, and has been transforming ever since. And so I just wanted to give him an opportunity to take part in that with me and because I knew, um, I think one part of it, too, knew that uh, he, would, he could get a lot more people to show up than I could, so maybe my selfish aspect of it. But I also knew that he has the opportunity to change a lot of lives, and I wanted him to witness that and experience that, and that he surely has done. So is personal development a key component to being a life coach, too? I think it's a key component to everybody's life who wants to be successful, man. Right. Right? To just become more valuable by gaining more wisdom, more knowledge, more experience. But definitely as a life coach, I mean, how could you be a life coach without personal development? Right. (laughs) That life coaching is personal development. If you hire a life coach, it's because... Um, you're investing into yourself mm-hmm. to know yourself more. All, my only job as a life coach is not to give you advice. It's to be a mirror for you, to figure out who you are, what you want, what you desire, what's holding you back, what it is you really need, what's it look like to be in integrity with yourself, what does success look like, right? what does my dream life look like. I'm just here to be a mirror for you and to be unconditional love and hold a space to do that. Okay. So what are like some of the tools you use then when working with a client um, to kind of help them get to like the next step? I think the the best life coaches are just people who are really curious. Okay. Just asking really powerful questions and holding a space and allowing people to think, Mm -hmm. to think deeper than they ever have, and to just be a good listener. And and for me, it's like, man, I I, I'm like a bloodhound now, man. I'm gonna find what's holding you back. I'm I'm gonna find what your heart really desires. Like if I can if I can catch the vein, I'm gonna take it all the way to the heart. So for me, it's almost. You ever watch the show Doctor House growing up? House MD. You know how he was, I guess there's a component of it too, where he didn't really care about the people at all. He was kind of a narcissist and everything, but he wanted to figure out the game. Yep. Right? He wanted to figure out the problem. So there's a, I do love people and I really want to serve, but there's that component too. It's like, I love this dude. <laughs> like you guys are all challenges and puzzles and humans are crazy. What's your, what's your background and what's your degree? Uh, I have the most useless business degree on the planet. Uh, you seem like a psychology guy. Okay. I wish, dude. I, I think I think outside of the context of being a doctor, that college is absolutely um, obsolete and in, in, in a, in a scam at this Especially point. Nowadays, yeah. Right. yeah. I had a question for you, and I completely don't remember. Oh, who holds the mirror up to you? You're a mirror for other people. Who's right. your mirror? Well, you know, it's it's tough. I'm 28 years old. I'm a millennial, and, and when I lived in Channel Side for many years, and I found it very hard to connect with a lot of people because because of the experiences I went through, I see life a lot different, right? and I'm really on a on a mission to really think I can change the world, you know, and impact the lives of others, and and have that drive and desire. And I, I found it very rare to find that in other people. So when I do, I keep them close to me and I pour into them. Mm-hmm. But I never really, I've always felt, you know that I've always been the mentor for other people and couldn't find that in my life. So, dude, I had to go and find life coaches for me, man. You know, I've, I've spent... <laughs> my, my dad left me um, a little sum of money. It wasn't much. And um, I spent every single dollar of it investing into myself. 
I have hired, I've had a coach at all times for the last three years. I paid money. I paid a lot of money to go to life coaching school to get the training certification. I've paid $5,000 to go to Tony Robbins date with destiny. I've been to his event Unleash the power within. I have spent, you know, 50 plus 60 plus thousand now in the last three or four years, um, investing into myself. And this is the concept that I really want other people to understand. Yeah. Like if you, Therapy, you're not giving money to therapy. You're not giving much money to coaches. You're not giving money to seminars. You're giving money to yourself, mm. right? It's like, because the grand scheme of things, if you want a million dollars and someone gave it to you, you better become a million dollar man very quickly or you're going to lose it, right? So it's just, it, it's, for me, when I wanted to become a life coach, and I recommend this for everybody, especially entrepreneurs, it, it, the whole concept is mirror and model. Whatever it is you want to be good at, find someone playing the game way higher than you hire them to teach you. I don't care what it costs. If I want to be a six-figure life coach, I'm going to go find a six-figure coach. If that cost me $15,000 to do what you did, right? all that is is I am buying a key to a door that makes me a six-figure coach. So you're not paying that dude. You are. All it is is an exchange of energy. right? I'm exchanging my money, which is just energy, for your time and wisdom that can help me become who I want to become. So whoever you are, whatever route you're taking an entrepreneur, if you want to be great, find a coach, man. Find someone that's playing the game way higher than you. If, if you can get away with not paying them and they just like you and want to take you in, so be it. But, man, money's just an exchange of energy. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all of my major questions. Do you have anything yeah. else you wanted to ask? Um, there's a lot still. So <laughs> I feel like we've been going for a long time here. But um, always wanted to know, like, what's the difference between a therapist and a life coach? That's a beautiful question, man, yeah. and, and um, I've tried to really think about that throughout the years. Sure. I would say for me that therapy is more past-oriented, okay. right? Uh, let's, let's go back and figure out why you're experiencing this. Where are these patterns coming from? Like, let's go back into the inner child and the trauma and the wounds, and let's go identify and dig up where this happened. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, at least for me and for most coaches, we're like, okay, rather than look backwards, we can take the time to figure that out, which is sometimes necessary in coaching. Let's look forward. All right, let's figure out where we want to go. Let's figure out how we can, yes, this happened, but how can we use it as fuel for our growth? How can we use it to tap into something greater and move you forward? There's a component of therapy within coaching for sure. Mm. But for me, I think, um, believe it or not, therapy, when I finally decided to go and swallowed my pride and realized, oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's not this some weak thing. It actually makes you stronger, right? That introduced me to self-awareness. That introduced me to myself realizing what the ego was like oh like I, I i created this version of myself i've been living out this mask i've been wearing of who i think i should be who i think i'm supposed to be or trying to just be somebody that can blend in any way manipulate every situation but then i realized i created a mask right that wasn't who i really was and so therapy allowed me to dive into that and really cool quote by the way by jim carrey because i went through a lot of years of depression and primarily because of the mask i was wearing which ended up being very heavy. He said that depression is just our avatar's way of telling us it's tired of playing the character it's playing. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you uh, just for any listeners, if you're experiencing depression, man, you know perhaps your avatar is tired of playing the character it's playing. It's time to know who you are, what your truth is, and start honoring that and living in integrity with it. But you got to identify what is the mask. Who did I create myself to be, and is this who I really am? And to even go back a little deeper, who am I? Powerful question. Yeah. Well, who are you without referring to memory? Mm. If you can start answering that, your whole life can change. Mm. Because it's from our identity that everything else comes from. Our actions will always be in alignment with who we believe we are. So whatever your goal is, whatever your dream is, if you don't think you're worthy of it, if you don't think you're good enough because of these bullshit limiting beliefs, you'll never go after it. Mm. Right. So coaching and therapy is an opportunity to go into those beliefs realize their lie and start replacing it with truth and from that new truth and identity you can start to accomplish these things Mm. so is there any pressure that you feel when it comes to being a life coach and directing people in certain paths or you know and the pressure to not screw up on your end right (sighs) definitely man definitely you know i do have to as much as i think i can help everybody it's you can't help everybody right and um um and so originally I wanted to coach everybody and realized, man, we're just not in alignment. Mm. You know? But the cool thing about coaches is, is I always refer to coaches as chefs, man. Like life coach is such a broad term, but when it comes to chef, like this guy cooks Indian cuisine, this guy cooks American, this guy cooks Chinese, this guy cooks whatever. All right. So really finding who's in alignment with me and that I can serve powerfully, which I'm starting to know more and more. 
as I continue coaching. But these people gravitate towards you, mm-hmm. you know, for, especially with coaches, man. They're like, oh, find your niche, find your niche, find your niche. Dude, just start coaching. Mm-hmm. You're, you'll find your niche. And these people will be compelled to you. The people that want to work with you, they'll be pulled and you'll attract them by your message, by your being. The reason I hired my coach is it's kind of funny. Originally, when I saw this guy because my ex-girlfriend hired him, I looked at his page. and I was like, dude, this guy's a freaking goober. This guy was like running around with swords and shit. I was like, I'm not, I wouldn't chill with this guy. A year later, the reason why I hired this guy is because he was a freaking goober, right? Because he, he was so in love with himself, did not care what anybody thought and owned his truth. And he had inner freedom. And I realized all I ever want is inner freedom, yeah. inner peace, to love who I am, to not need anybody else's validation. You still talk to your life coach? Oh, dude, I have two right now. The, the the goober. Yeah, he's he's actually my business partner. He's the host of these retreats, and I'm the co co host. I saw you just went on a retreat. Yeah. So I yeah I host those now. Yeah. Oh. So it's a men's retreat where like ten to twelve guys come together for about a week, and we go in, we have fun, we play, we do uh, really impactful like holotropic breathing, which is really insane um, as far as being able to tap into the subconscious and, and release and, and find your true self. But yeah, it's it's very transformational. Yeah, I guess let's talk on that for a little bit as far as the men's retreats. Um, so what do you look for, I guess, for the group of guys you kind of bring together? Are there any like qualities, whether it be like them kind of going through that, that personal development, um, them being awakened in a sense? Like, yeah. How do you know who to kind of bring together? You're spot on, man. You know, the retreats definitely are for everybody. I mean, right. we would it would probably terrify most people if they've never been experienced with like this type of personal development, especially the holotropic breathing. You know, running you through certain breathwork patterns for over an hour when you start experiencing psychedelic type effects and start having trauma release where some of these men start having what looks like an exorcism. That would terrify a lot of people. Um, so definitely people who have that hunger, who have already been really focused on personal development, mm-hmm. that kind of know what they want to do but want to experience the integration of it to come into contact with their highest self, feel it, embody it, and, and walk away as that man. And so this is their opportunity to come around, put all their walls down, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, especially us men, yeah, where us. you know we have just been so out of touch with our emotions and with feeling. You know, and, and if you show emotion, you're soft. You know, I grew up on a football field. You know, like if you show emotion, you're a bitch. Don't be a bitch, right? Stay hard. This is an opportunity to let all those stigmas down, put your walls down, and let other people in mm-hmm. to really let your inner child come out. And dude, talk about what we need to talk about. Share some traumas that you've been, all this shit you've been storing inside you that's been callousing your heart. Let it go, bro. So you can just be that that beautiful soul that you really are, man. Oh. How did those retreats start? I just saw that you just did one not long ago. But don't, where were you? Uh, we went to Zion the last two. Uh, we I went to Asheville, uh, North Carolina the time before that. We're planning our next one for November. We're kind of looking at Costa Rica. Um, but my, my coach has been running these retreats for quite a long time. And so the one in Asheville, North Carolina, I was his client. He was like, dude, I really want you to come on this. So I just came as an attendant and got to experience it myself. Um, but you know, just the person I am, man, I love being a leadership. I love being a leader anywhere I am. I'm just always there to serve first. And so he was like, man, why don't you come back, come facilitate some of these, the other facilitators walked away. And so now it's me and him, which has been such a beautiful duo and partnership. But my whole, my whole dream of life, man, is to never have to work. I want to get paid to play. Right? And so I have, you know, all 10 of those men on this last retreat said it was the best week of their life. We had so much fun, dude. And uh, I get paid to play. I didn't work a minute in my life. When I coach my clients, dude, I'd do it for free if I didn't have to pay my bills and I didn't have some goals to do some amazing things. But that's just getting paid to play. And so that's why, you know, find what makes you come alive and go do that. You can make a life out of that. You'll never work a day in your life. Is there a concern in the back of your mind? I think it plays into imposter syndrome a little bit about growing that business to make sure that you can pay your bills. And Bro, absolutely, man. I'm telling you, every entrepreneur is going to go through that, right? But you're going to feel like an imposter. You've never done it. Of course, you're going to feel like an imposter, right? Just keep doing it and that'll go away. And especially, I think the most, especially when you start seeing transformations in your client and how that the gifts that you have and you watch their life accelerate, take off, them find more love and freedom, them find, you know, make, having these businesses become successful. You're like, oh, dude, I really got this. And I think the second part of that that my coach really helped me understand is it's okay to be great, man. You know, and I think in this day and age, like the whole world, like, oh, don't be cocky, don't be arrogant. And so we kind of come off with this notion of false humility, which is based on the back of insecurity. Right. And it's like you never saw Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan step on a court and be like, I'm all right. 
they didn't dumb down who they were to fit in with everyone else. They're like, no, I'm the, I'm the man, bro. I am great, right? And so it's it's stepping into that greatness and believing in that greatness where all these beautiful things begin to unfold and you allow other people to be great as well. Wow. That was, that was powerful. That was I like that one. Yeah. It's okay to be great, man. Right. It's okay. So going with that, like how important is it to have like that positive self-talk? Because I talk about that a lot. I think I talked about it on like episodes two or three. Something like that. Dan two. likes to talk to himself. But I changed the narrative to where it's like I used to say, prime example, at the gym, you're trying to max out and you don't get it. So I'm like, oh, you little bitch, you little this, you little that. Mm-hmm. And my, to myself, in my head, I'm like, how beneficial is that to talk to yourself like that? So instead of now, I'm like... All right, Dan, just give it a break. You can do it. You got it. Like, so that positive self-talk goes a long way compared to like that negative self-talk. So how right, right. important is that? Yeah, I guess we could probably finish up on this topic because it might take about five minutes. And I'm sure your, your <laughs> listeners might be passing out at this point. Yeah. Um, it's the most important thing in the world, man. Right. Right. I think the ultimate job as a coach is to help you become best friends with yourself. Hmm. Right. And to help you unconditionally begin to love yourself. We are, I am, I have always been the biggest critic of myself i held myself to such a high standard i have the bar so high and i was so hard on myself um and i think there's a component to that that can work if you ever listen to david goggins he talks about really being able to tap into your dark side and use using that as fuel right going to the gym taking souls and so yeah there's times where if i need to i'm able to go into my dark side which i do have you know as humans we have a beautiful dichotomy of the chaos and order right the darkness and the light that is it has to be navigated there's it's it's not bad to have that dark side um but for me that's the most important thing on the planet because that's again based and rooted in identity in the last six months with this you know other coach i've been working with as well that's been the main focus is learning how to unconditionally love myself mm. and right? which has come with a um, rebuilding a new identity and what i call building a home within me like a beautiful garden Right, and, and so just to give you an example of that, it starts with knowing who you are. I think the most powerful words in the entire planet is I am. Right, You can go back to the, the book of Exodus with Moses when you know, you've all heard the story of the burning bush. When he comes to Moses, he's like, go free my people. He's like, say what? <laughs> like, who am I? I mean, Moses was like, I'm not worthy. Who am I? Send somebody else, not me. Right? They have this long conversation. He's like, second of all, who do you want me to go tell Moses is sending me? First of all, because Moses don't know, doesn't know who you are. Right? And God says, tell, tell, tell Pharaoh, I am that I am. Mm-hmm. Right? So the most, powerful, the most powerful words in, in the entire universe is I am. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's when I asked you the question earlier. It starts with knowing, well, who are you? Right? And so if you were to ask me, who are you? And I just told you, Colton, that, I can already know what level you're at because Colton's just a label my mother gave me. Yeah. That's just a label, bro. Right? Who I am, I am unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Right? I am an extension of source energy. I'm a creator. I'm a leader's leader. I'm a miracle creator. I'm a I'm the, I'm an inspirational speaker. I'm the world's best coach, right? And it's from these beliefs that my actions come out of me, right? So for me personally, it's times like that where I experience these judgments of myself, mm-hmm. right? And I don't I don't judge the judgments. I'm just a human man. Like these are just human programming. And that's what's so cool about coaching and therapy is you get to see this duality within us. There's this human side, there's this flesh, and there's this beautiful spirit that's encapsulated inside of this dirt suit. You know what I mean? Like, we are, we are not, like, yeah, you can be beautiful, you can be quote-unquote whatever ugly is, but, like, if I'm looking at you right now and I grab your skin, that doesn't make you you. Mm. It's what's inside of here in this beautiful heart. Right? And so it's getting back in touch with that. And so when this human programming comes up, all of that can be reprogrammed. Right. right. If you feel like you're not good enough, you're unworthy, we can, we can go in there and start to reprogram that to feel I am good enough. Mm-hmm. I am worthy. Right? And so those moments when you feel like that and you feel those thoughts, not identifying with them, because I think the most powerful thing I ever stood, understood, and I read this in the book Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, who also wrote The Surrender Experiment, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Right? He said that, and I heard this a freshman in college, he said, we are not our thoughts. We are the listener to our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that one single sentence changed my life forever. Because yeah. I can now sit in the seat of the observer and just witness the human programming, right. the thought. It's like a computer. All the software that's been uploaded in my life through my experience, my past, my traumas, my pains, my wins, my losses. And no, that's not me. Mm. Right? Who am I? Who is the person in the seat of the observer? I am unconditional love. I am, I am an extension of source energy. I am a light. 
I am. And so these last six months, it's in those moments where I feel what you're talking about, maybe some things. It's like, yes, and. Yes, I hear the human programming, Mm -hmm. but here is my truth. This is who I am, right? Even in those times where I mess up and I fail, my coach said this, another coach said this the other day. He's like, I was saying some dumb shit I did, bro. He's like, Colton, take the L. Take the lesson, Right, and so it's just like it's all lessons now, man. Like, take the yell, yes, and yes, I hear you. I don't judge myself for having these thoughts, but here's my truth. And always, so that's building this home inside of me that can be beautiful, where nothing outside of me can affect me. You know, as the scripture talks about, Jesus says, building a house on a firm foundation, man. Mm-hmm. One house is built on sand. One house is built on, let's say, cement. So when the wind comes and the storm blows, one house is knocked over. One house is not shaken. And so it's just building that home within yourself, building this garden that you can always come back to that's a beautiful place of peace and nothing outside of you can wreck that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man. Uh, you know, was... Colton, Dan's got, a, Dan's got something popping up. He's got a mentoring event sure. uh, in a little bit here. But we end every episode with a question from my big book from Target, 3,000 questions about me. Pick a random number, one to 3,000, knock yourself out. Oh, that's tough, man. 277. You said it didn't seem too tough. You know, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Question 277. After a long, hard day at work or school, what do you like to do? Man, that's a, that's a good question because um, it's continually changing as I evolve and have new hobbies. Right now, I've, I've, I have this, this golf demon that has entered my system that wants to be fed. So I've been going and, and learning this game, which is one hell of a sport. I'd say for the majority of my life, I was a big gamer, man. I, I love video games. Uh, I could I could play video games for 20 hours straight with no coffee. That's, so I've been trying to wean that out of my life because it's not really... Uh, productive um and and not in alignment with who i want to be right now but yeah gaming um golf sports of any sort and just connecting with others man damn yeah uh for me there's a lot um (laughs) to be honest like sometimes i come home from a long day and i'll go though i'll go for a walk i live close to bayshore so i'll just walk towards bayshore Uh, i might go for a bike ride uh, meditation is key now, so I meditate a lot, as you, beautiful. as you know. Um, a lot of breath work, too, sometimes, if it's been a stressful day. Um, and also, sometimes I just light a candle, to be honest. Like, I have a lavender I'm a candle, candle guy, too, man. Yeah, so it's, like, very, you know, calming and, you know, relaxing. So I'll just like that, maybe read, um, just sit, hang out with my dog sometimes. So there's a lot. There's a lot that I, <laughs> that I do. Um, but, yeah, how about yourself? I take my dog for a walk around the neighborhood every day after work, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's raining, and then I just throw her in the backyard and let her run. <laughs> um, besides that, uh, Colt's pretty spot on. I like video games. The old NCAA football 2014, uh, a little bit of Madden. Uh, in my brain, as you folks know that listen, as Dan definitely knows, he's known for two years, my brain's always moving a thousand miles an hour, so I'm sitting there playing NCAA football 14, and I'm like, Man, I should, I should buy a, lawn, a landscaping company. That's what I should do. How can I buy a landscape? And every day it's something different. It's like, wow, I, you know, laundromats sound really good right now. You know, so I, I'm always mulling over that and thinking, could I do something more productive with my time than playing an eight-year-old football game? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but that's I, I like sports games like that. I like taking my dog for a walk and letting my brain move at a million miles an hour. That's for sure. If, if I could just end with just like two quick quotes, you know, for your speakers, especially the entrepreneurs out there and the dreamers, um, when it comes to doing what you want to do, man, there's a good quote that says, you don't have to be great to get started, but you got to get started to be great. Mm. All right. So just be willing to step into the arena, go look at the quote, man, in the arena and, and let that, you know, let that really meditate in your heart. And then lastly, man, like life's going to happen. Shit's going to happen. It's part of the human experience. And Napoleon Hill has a really good quote, and he also wrote Think and Grow Rich. Highly recommend it. could change your life. And he says in that book that every adversity contains within it the seed of an equivalent advantage. Right? Every adversity, every heartbreak, every, every thing that you struggle with contains within that the seed of, seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. If it wasn't for well, what I went through, if it wasn't for the pain I experienced, I wouldn't have this purpose and this mission I'm on today. I wouldn't be the person I am today. So whatever your listeners are going through, know all things work for the good, man. Like it's going to be part of your purpose and, and who you are. Where can our listeners find you? Social medias, LinkedIn's, 
What are you on? Where can we find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really just on Instagram right now, man. Uh, if you're in Tampa, I'm pretty much at Armature Works every day, man. I'll extrovert. I love the good energy and just being outdoors or some coffee shop. But Instagram, it's just Colton, um, my middle, middle initial, which is M, and then daily, D-A-L-Y. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Colton, you know, we certainly appreciate having you. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, great conversation. I'm sure that conversations will continue down the road between the three of us here. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know. Is there anything else that you wanted to end on really quickly here? Dude, it's just an honor to be here, man. Thanks for having yeah. me on the podcast and let me share what I have. We loved it. We appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for telling your story. Very powerful. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe. Reach out to Colton. I'm sure he's always taking clients on. Um, you know, If you guys have new guests, new prompts, whatever you guys want to hear, let us know. Reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a DM, whatever it is. Yep. Uh, Thanks, Colton. Thanks again. Pleasure, brother. Uh, Look forward to seeing the conversations on the road here. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace.